0: Episode number 38. Stick around. We're going to talk about security advice for those that live alone in a home, an apartment, or condominium.
1: This is the Crime School Radio Show. Where industry experts discuss the business of fighting crime and prevention strategies for making places safe. Leading today's discussion is security expert, Chris McGoey.
0: Welcome to Crime School. I often get asked the question about should there be any special security measures taken for people that live alone? And the question comes from concerned parents about elderly relatives or children maybe going up to college and renting an apartment for the first time. There's lots of different variables. And I feel like the question comes as if living alone was the most important criteria of whether someone is going to be a crime victim or not, or to be viewed as a vulnerable person or not. So that's going to be the subject matter of today's show. I'm going to keep it short because I'm still suffering from a cold. Today, I'm responding to questions from Emily Bell. She works for Zillow Magazine. You may know Zillow as that online real estate entity that does many things related to residential housing. So bear with me. Let me get Emily on the line. And we'll get off into discussing the issues surrounding personal security and safety and living alone. We'll be right back. So your question is uh, primarily about living alone. Security tips for people living alone. And you want to focus a little bit on women potentially living alone. The issue of living alone is the least important factor. When we're talking about housing, people live in a box, whether it's a a studio apartment or it's a 10-bedroom estate it's still a box, it's still a building, there's gonna be walls, there's gonna be a floor, there's gonna be a ceiling. And the entry to the box, no matter how small or how large, is gonna be through doors and windows. As you can imagine, if you're living on the ground floor, there's more access. If you're living in a larger home with a front, back, and side, you got more front, back, and side windows. So the more openings to the box increase the level of vulnerability. Almost equally as important as to where that box is, where your home or apartment or condo is. If if you live in a low crime neighborhood, there's going to be less risk by far. Just living inside that home or when you go out in public walking around, it's just going to be safer. So choosing your zip code is probably one of the best things you could do if you have an option. If you have the options available or whether it's involving commuting or whatever you have to do, Picking the best neighborhood is really something that's worth the time. The second is the location where you live. Now, if you're renting, if you're renting an apartment, for example, and you're in one of those mega apartment complexes, the density of the housing makes a difference. If you're living amongst a whole bunch of other people, either in a big city or a large apartment community, the more people around you increase the risk proportionally. Uh, One of the reasons is you have no control over who moves in next door to you and uh, and who their friends are. and, And just the density factor makes everyone a stranger. So you never really get to know your neighbors very well. There's always people coming and going. In a large multifamily property, whether you own a condo or an apartment, when you see people walking around, you assume that they live there. So you're going to cut them some slack. You're going to let them move about. You're going to let them walk by you, past you, in front of you, behind you, and maybe not think much of it because you assume they live there, as opposed to a single family home where you own the property, anybody standing on or near your property, you're going to be concerned about. You're going to start watching them and wondering who they are. So those are some of the the considerations that you have to think about. So going back to the person living alone, the person living alone really doesn't matter much into the equation other than if you're a a female or a young female living alone or an old female, older lady living alone could make a difference uh, somewhat. But for the most part, the person who has control over the property has control over those openings to the box, the front doors and the windows. So you determine To the extent that you can, what kind of lock goes on the door, possibly if you're not renting, the quality of the door, the fact that whether your windows are closed and latched or not, if you have a garage door, whether it's left open or not. So your lifestyle makes a difference. I hear all the time from people saying that, well, I never lock my doors, you know, as if that's
1: a point of pride.
0: Yeah, a point of pride. I don't have to lock my doors. Well, you know, we call those people victims in my world sometimes because the burglars and the home invaders obviously are going to take the path of least resistance. And if they could tell from the street that here's a home or a apartment where the window's standing open and none of the others have that, well, they might select your location as the first choice. So, So your lifestyle makes a difference. Your lifestyle also contributes to how you come and go. Again, if you live in a high-density type property or neighborhood, people might pay attention to your travels. When you go to work, when you come home, how late you stay up, where you park your vehicle, people that are interested in you, potentially as a victim, may start paying attention to you. And on the other hand, most victims are not paying attention. They're unaware that they're being watched. They're unaware that they're being followed or stalked.
1: That actually goes to a question I have. What are some, like, bad habits that people living alone might have, just not paying attention, essentially? Or I'd also wondered whether, you know, people move into a place, and like you said, um, it's a box and there there are openings, and the number and quality of openings determines your vulnerability. Now, people, do they just, do people assume too often that the lock that's already in place is sufficient, that if they move in somewhere, should they automatically um, upgrade their locks, for instance?
0: What's your impression? If you moved into a rental housing that had a deadbolt on it, would you assume that you're good to go?
1: Um, I, I honestly, yeah, I think that I'm not actually sure. I mean, I think that if there was a deadbolt, I would feel more secure than if it was just a lock, um, like a chain lock, for instance. But uh, I honestly don't know.
0: Just like when you check into a hotel, it has locks on the doors already and they give you a key or a key card. And most people think, "Okay, well, I'm safe. I could lock my door. But you have no idea who has keys. So in an apartment situation, you're assuming, and that's in air quotes, that your landlord has changed the locks since the last tenant was in the space, that they put a new lock on there for you or they rekeyed it. And you have brand new keys. That's what you assume. Well, that assumption is false in many cases. The landlords don't change the locks, or they may not have changed the locks. And there could be uh, 20 keys out there. Who knows? Also, the quality of the lock. You just don't know if it's going to withstand someone kicking the door. So even if you're moving into rental housing, you have the ability to at least ask, that the lock be changed or a stronger one put on, for example, a grade one lock, deadbolt lock, instead of some cheap uh, bathroom quality lock, you could certainly request that. Usually, as important or sometimes more important is a strike plate that's in the door jam. That's that little thing when you close the door and you turn your deadbolt, that bolt goes into the door jam, into the metal housing. That's called a strike plate. Strike plate is just held into the wall, held into the door frame by two short half inch screws. That's not going to hold up. Someone could kick the door, and that strike plate is just going to break away from the door, and the door is going to fly open.
1: Is it silly to uh, try to pretend as if you don't live alone?
0: Well, I'm not going to say it's silly, but it it usually is is possible. It usually has no bearing. If somebody is truly watching you, they're going to find out very quickly whether you live alone or whether you don't live alone, just by the fact of who comes and goes. But if it's a stranger first encounter walking through the common area and they spot you, they're not going to know one way or the other. There's really not much difference between living alone or not. The advantage of living alone, you have control over your routine and your habits. So your routine and habit may be to always lock, always deadbolt my door, even if I'm going to check the mail. Always lock and close my windows when I walk away. If you have a roommate, they may not have the same habits. Okay. If you have an alarm system, same way. Most people that have alarm systems don't use them. Is that really true? That is really true. It's up in the 90 percentile. People that have alarm systems don't use them for a lot of the same reasons. Wow, that's
1: actually incredibly surprising.
0: It's just a reality. So if you have a roommate, the likelihood of your roommate being on the same page as you with the same sense of priority may not be the same. Living alone gives you the advantage of establishing your own awareness and your own level of uh, priorities. So the other thing goes with once you step outside that box, as you step out and as you reenter, your level of awareness makes a difference whether you're going to be victimized or not just like going to your car in the parking lot. Do you have your keys in your hand? Are you focused on your destination? You got your eyes on your vehicle or your front door? You're ready to enter as soon as you get there. That makes a difference. Oftentimes the difference between becoming a victim or not being a victim is noticing your surroundings. Seeing that guy eyeballing you from 50 feet away and just waiting for you uh, just not to be paying attention so he could approach. And when I say he, I say that intentionally. It's normally a male. It's usually going to be one male lurking about, waiting for the right opportunity, and nothing better than someone walking around, walking towards their destination, not paying attention, maybe looking at their phone or something. And that's when they're going to approach. And most victims will tell you that they never saw the guy coming. Do
1: you think that people sort of having their heads down all the time Looking at their phones has
0: decreased that level of awareness? Oh, no no doubt about it. No doubt about okay. it. Some people use their phones in a fake manner. They just don't want any confrontation. They don't want to make eye contact with people. So they'll they'll look at their pretend like they're looking at their phone. Another issue of visibility and awareness has to do with before you walk out your door, or if someone knocks on your door or rings your bell, you should find out who's on the other side of the door before you open it. It's so obvious and so logical, but you'd be surprised how many people don't do it. If you have a family, you have to teach all your children to do the same thing. That the rule in our house is: if someone knocks on the door, you don't run and open the door until you know who's on okay. the other side. So you do that by looking through the peephole if you have one, or if you have a window that's nearby, look out the window, or you simply call through the door, you know, and ask who's there. You know what? What do they? What do they want? And In my neighborhood, most of the time, if someone knocks on my door and I don't know they're coming, it's a solicitor who I don't want to talk to anyway. But it could also be a home invader. That's what a home invader will do. They will come and pretend to be there for some reason. And uh, they're going to want you to open the door so they can get access. So someone living alone, that means just that. You're on your own. You don't have backup. You don't have anyone there who can assist you. So you want to make sure when you open that door, you know darn well who's on the other side of the door.
1: And when you're, like you said, when you're outside the box, you do think that people, the general level of awareness is down just because we're engaged with our phones.
0: Oh, it's it's way down. I mean, do an experiment for yourself. If, if you and I were together, okay. I, I could take you out and, and show you all. We could do all kinds of exercises to confirm everything I'm saying. I mean, just go out in public and look at people. You see a lot of people have their heads down. Go into an elevator. <laughs> these days. Uh, you go into the elevator, half the people are going to be looking at their phone, either intentionally or pretending, just because they don't want to make eye contact. They don't want to say hello. They don't want to engage with anyone. And it's just becoming uh, habitual that people are just self-absorbed, either with their thoughts or what's going on. They're just not paying attention. Sure. And that goes a long way. Uh, most of the victims, I can't underscore it enough, never saw the perpetrator coming. they had no idea. It was a complete surprise. And that's primarily one of the reasons why they were selected.
1: Do you think there are any good security apps people should use? No. No, okay. So no phone applications.
0: The, the best app is between your ears. Okay. <laughs> that's the app you should use. You should use all your, okay. sen- all your senses and your brain and have a plan when you're going out or your family's going out that you have a plan, where you're going, how you're gonna get there, where you're gonna park, you're gonna come back to your car after hours that you have a plan. Same thing coming home. You're gonna come back late, maybe have a timer that's gonna come on in your house in the front room or something so you don't have to enter a dark house or if you're coming up to a single family home, you could even have a timer on your porch light or have it come on automatically with a motion sensor. It's all part of having a plan.
1: And our motion sensor or just lighting generally, I assume that's pretty important in terms of safety.
0: Well, it is. Yeah, sure. You want to be able to see in the dark. We're not built to see in the dark. So you just want to see before you approach your door or even if your are car, for that matter, you want to be able to see. And uh, okay. so put yourself in a position. If you're going to park your car outside, maybe park it under a light so when you come back after hours, when you approach, you can see if anyone's lurking around before you you know, head for it.
1: What about uh, leaving any lights on when you leave the house? Is that a good tip? Or
0: Well, leaving lights on during the day do nothing. They just expend electricity, right? That's why I believe in timers. Timers are so inexpensive. You only need lights on when it's dark. And it's kind of a signal. If you have okay. a single-family home and you're and you're going away for the weekend and you leave your porch light on 24 hours a day, that's a signal yeah. to the burglar you're gone for the weekend.
1: What do you think about, I mean having something like pepper spray on hand, is that useful for the
0: typical person or? Uh, It's not useful. Most victims never get to the pepper spray if they have it. Women that carry it, it's usually down the bottom of their handbag somewhere. It's usually expired, not a date. Some women will say when they're trying to fish around to get it, they spray the inside of their bag, trying to get it out. If you subscribe to what I've just told you, that most victims never see the perpetrator coming, you're not going yeah. to get to it in time. Now, here's an exercise that I do with women when I talk to women's groups. I tell them to, for it to be effective, the pepper spray has to be in the in your hand and your thumb on the trigger, ready to use it. And guess what happens when you have the mindset to have the pepper spray in your hand and your thumb is on the trigger? Believe me, your head is also on a swivel now because that's, okay. a, that's a cue reminding you that I'm in a potentially hazardous environment, that's why I had the pepper spray out. So now you're mentally on high alert, you're paying attention. So just the fact that you're paying attention is your best safety feature. Good luck with the story, Emily. All
1: right, thanks so much. Thanks for your
0: help. I hope you found this episode interesting and we'll share it with your family, friends, and coworkers. We all have different perspectives, different points of view, based on our background, our education, our training, our life experience. So it's important to have these discussions. That's how we learn, right? That's how we solve problems. What do you want to hear discussed? What ideas do you think are important? I'm always looking for a guest. If you followed Crime School, you know that we've had some outstanding guests on the show. So I'm looking for those that have special knowledge about crime, crime prevention, loss prevention, that have a legal background, that want to talk about criminal law, civil law, the court system, liability, and negligence. I want to talk about products, especially those that deal with solving a crime or loss prevention problem. Let's discuss it on the air. If you're a crime victim and you have a motivating story to tell or interesting outcome, I'd love to hear from you. Thank you for participating in Crime School and for doing your part in making places safe.
1: This is the Crime School Radio Show with your host, Chris McGowey we invite you to comment on today's topic and join the Crime School community. For more information and show notes from this episode, please visit crimeschool.com.